What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Get Paid for Your Pad today, coming to you from Idlewild, California. Beautiful Idlewild. I'm up here getting my hands dirty in on our uh, projects, the renovations on our projects here, which is uh, about to complete pretty soon. So we're going to be launching Freewild, which I'm really excited about. And today my guest is Alex Sabio, and he is pretty close, actually. If, if we just find out he only lives an hour and a half or so away from Idabout in Southern California. Uh, he works in healthcare and he has 20 years of experience in real estate. And in the last three years, he's moved into short-term rentals. Uh, he, he has invested in six projects. So lots of, uh, lots of things to learn from Alex. So Alex, welcome to the show. Jasper, really cool to be here. I'm coming full circle because when I first started learning about short-term rentals, I was listening to your podcast, all day long didn't listen to music for like two straight years i was just consuming knowledge so really surreal just being here <laughs> that's awesome man that's awesome and i appreciate that um so yeah tell us uh give us uh, your your background like you've been you did you, you bought your first property 20 years ago which is pretty pretty amazing so how, uh, tell us about that journey yeah, you know, I wish I had a better story to tell people, like like the gurus tell you, where they scaled to zero to 100 units in like one year. But to be honest with you, that wasn't my story. And I think my story is very similar to the vast majority of Americans who tried this out. So I started close to 20 years ago buying uh, single family homes. Uh, I was buying them out of state um, and kind of made a lot of mistakes along the way. And I think my issue was that I was very comfortable at my job making a nice six-figure salary with benefits, um, you know, uh, medical, uh, vacation, all of that. So I never really put it on steroids. And a lot of these properties I was buying were a quote unquote revenue neutral. So I wasn't making money on them. So if anything, I was just kind of breaking even. Uh, and it wasn't until COVID hit where I really just, it kind of lit a fire under me to really get to financial freedom. I'm a respiratory therapist, so I'm in healthcare. And during COVID, that was like absolutely miserable, to be honest with you. We were overworked, understaffed, um, you know, nobody's fault. It was just uh, we, we didn't have enough equipment or none of that. And I just couldn't see myself doing that for the future. I didn't like we all take COVID lightly now, but back then we didn't know where it was going. And so I started buying short-term rentals. Um 2020, almost three years ago today, um, and fell in love with the hospitality business and found a way to get to financial freedom through short-term rentals and hospitality. That's awesome, man. What, why, why did you move into short-term rentals? It really was a necessity uh, when I looked at um, where I felt like I needed to get to financial freedom. Uh, buying these single-family long-term rentals, I was profiting maybe hundred bucks, 200 bucks. Uh, my ran down properties would be like $500, but every so often it need a lot of work. So not really that much proper profit. And I remember running into an investor and she was telling me, Oh, I'm profiting like $24,000 a month on just three properties. And I said, 
well, tell me more. What is that all about? Right. And so the more I started diving into, it was like, oh, this is probably something that will be right up my alley and something that I'll really enjoy. So I kind of fell into it, just really networking and talking to as many investors as possible. And at that time, I was like, oh, that's what's going to, that is my financial freedom number to help me get out of uh, working here in mm-hmm. the hospital. So. Right. So it's also really the, the profitability of short-term rentals versus long-term rentals that, uh, that drove you um, Absolutely. to start investing in that. And then, you know, like, so three years ago, you started investing in, in, your, in your first short-term rental. Um, and what's, like, how did you, how did you find, like, uh, a profitable project? Like, how, how did you know what, you know, what to buy and how to design it, how to furnish it and, and all that stuff? Yeah, I think I was too ignorant. I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. So it really, it was just networking and finding as many people and talking to anyone that wanted to speak to me. Because at the time, nobody's wanting this to meet anywhere. We we're all kind of online Zooming and just meeting people online. And so I just remember like hearing people talk about uh, this area. And so I reached out to that agent. But at the time, Jasper, I was trying to buy apartment complexes. I was trying to scale up my single family portfolio. And the numbers I was looking at with those, you're talking like buying something for $1.2 million in the Midwest um, that was going to profit me maybe $40,000 a year, right? And then when I was looking into short-term rentals, the first one I bought was about $625,000. And the agent at the time said, well, you'll probably profit that with this. And I'm thinking, well, that's like half the price. And not only that, I don't have to partner with anyone. I could buy it all on my own. And not only that, there's these amazing tax benefits associated with it. So when I looked at the numbers, it made more sense for me just to buy that single family home versus buying this large apartment complex, which was twice the price. Uh, and we would profit about the same. So, mm-hmm. Sure. And what about the, because, you know, one thing that, that you know we, we always talk about is like okay short-term rentals typically are more profitable than long-term rentals but there's also a lot more work right? yes now we have to communicate with guests we have to do the check-ins the cleaning yes. the maintenance like all yes. that stuff so so yes. how did you how did you make because i know you have a full-time job right yeah. so like how did you take did you take that work on on top of your job Jasper, if I knew all the risk associated with it, I might have been scared off. And like I said, I, I think I was too ignorant with the fact, like, uh, the one thing we never outweigh is all the risks. We all look at the profit, but we look, we don't look at the risk. And um, luckily, what happened was uh, right away, like within three months, my wife was able to retire from her W-2 job because of the profits we were generating from this one short-term rental. Not only that, there were tax advantages to her retiring. And so my wife was able to retire, and then she kind of took on the guest communications and everything. Um, And actually, we found that we really enjoyed uh, doing a lot of it. Like, obviously, there's a lot of stuff that we deal with where, like, oh, man, that was just a headache and a pain in the butt. For for the most part, like, I would say 98% of the things that we do, we enjoy it. So we did do a ton of research on all the apps and software, but thinking that all those apps and software will make it passive, this is a business and it's going to be a lot more work than anticipated. But, you know, like I said, we actually enjoy most of it. Um, There are some bad days, but it's all right. (laughs) Sure. Um, So let's talk about, you know, we're talking about profitability right now. I can imagine in 2020 when you, when you first got into 
this this investing uh, business in, in short term rentals. Interest yeah. rates were a little bit lower. Yes, um, you know prices were probably a little bit lower too. Yes, uh, yes. so you know it was a bit easier to find those those profitable deals. Like how do yeah. well, in today's climate? Like can we? Is there, are there still like profitable deals out there? You think, or is it just really difficult right now? Well, it's definitely night and day. Like back then, three years ago, I could have picked anything and we would have been profitable. Um, and I kind of kicked myself for not buying more right up front. I was buying these brand new builds and they were taking forever to build. And so my cash flow, I was waiting for all the cash flow. Right now, you have to do something, what what you're doing there in Idlewild. You, you could definitely find something profitable and something that makes sense. It's just going to need more work. You're going to be a lot more need to be a lot more sophisticated in what you do because there's definitely a lot of guests there's that are looking for an amazing experience. I think um, so long are the days where you can just put anything up on Airbnb because there's nowhere else to rent. People are looking for a unique experience, something that's very hyper local to the region, um, and I think that's what you need to do. You really do need to think outside the box. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that we talk about quite a bit on this podcast, how, you know, in the last 10 years, like I remember when I started in 2012, it, you know, you didn't have to do anything, right? You just like, <laughs> you have a space, boom, you, yeah. you put an Airbnb and it's like, it was, it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Like people were just happy if they, if you opened the door, they were happy, right? Like, <laughs> right. You have a bed in the shower and like people are like, wow, this is amazing. Um, obviously that has changed quite a bit. So that goes into my next question of like, you know, what's how in today's uh, environment with the expectations from the guests and the amount of supply that's, that's out there, like what are the most important factors in turning a, a, a home or a property into a successful short-term rental that's, that's driving profit? Well, number one, it has to be clean and you have to have amazing reviews, right? And so we like hyper focus on customer service, right? And then not only that, what we do at all of our cabins and all of our beach homes, we try to make it Instagrammable. And that's really like we, when we go in there and purchase the property, we're like, we're thinking, where can people take pictures and, and post them online? And that's what we're really trying to do is just to create these memories like in every single property. One real simple thing that everyone could do right now is in their home is just put the name of the city up somewhere. Like that's something really cheap. Like my places are in like Gulf Shores, Alabama, and we have like these murals that say Gulf Shores, Alabama. And so we want people to take family photos right in front of those. That's something extremely simple that they can do. So. Yeah, so it's such a good point. Um, turning turning it into an Instagrammable experience because these days that's that's just kind of what people want to do, right? When they arrive on a holiday destination, vacation destination, like first thing is like put it, pull out the iPhone and you know take a story of it and just kind of impress you know impress everybody yeah. at home, kind of. Yes. Um, yeah. And I I notice it. And I notice it in myself too. Like when I uh, when I, I'm just looking at so uh, you know some Airbnbs in uh, in Mexico. So I'm planning to you know go to the beach for a couple of days for my birthday, which is in in two weeks. And I'm just noticing how how I am selecting. I'm, I'm looking for something that's like really cool. Whether it's like an infinity yes. pool overlooking the ocean, whether it's like right. a, a hot tub that looks really cool, or I want something special, right? I, right. I, I just do not want to stay in 
in some cookie cutter type of place that doesn't has nothing cool about it. Right. Um, and uh, so it's it's interesting, and I, I recognize that I'm I'm willing to pay quite a bit extra yes. for that factor, right? Yes. And so I, I love I love what you're saying of like, hey, you know. For every for every place that we have on Airbnb, we got to think. Okay, if, if our guests are coming in here, like, what's that one thing that they want to take a picture of and put on their Instagram, right? Yes. To your point, it doesn't have to be like you know a twenty thousand dollar like pool or like a ten thousand dollar hot tub, or it it could be something as simple as like just a a cool like writing on the wall with the name of the city, so people can be like, look, I'm in this place, right? Yes, or a, a mural or or something like that. Yes. So that's that's Some, a good point. Right. Something hyper local. One of the other things we do is we have this service where we deliver local goods to our guests. So instead of just having the generic coffee or whatever, we tell our company, whatever is in season, whether it's honey or something like that, that says something very local to that region. Guests really enjoy that. So. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would do. If I'm on vacation, I'm not want, wanting something generic. I have a track home here in California. I don't want to go stay somewhere at another track home. You know, I want something very unique to that region. So let's, um, let's go back to the investing side. Um, for people that are listening to this, and, you know, I'm sure it sounds very attractive to so a lot of people of like, hey, you know, my wife was able to retire because of mm-hmm. you know my, my even my first SDR. Like I'm sure there's people listening right now who are like, hey, you know what? Like I, I wouldn't mind uh, retiring a little early. Um, what are some What are some tips for people to get started with like investing in short term rentals? Uh, so if you're gonna start, uh, do it with the mindset that you're gonna scale into like ten or twenty units. Right. Because I think my biggest issue was uh, when I uh, bought one, I bought a second, then a third one. Then I'm like, in my mind, it's hard to keep the menu in my head. Like, imagine if you're running a restaurant and you're the only chef there. And then all of a sudden you're having to scale these different restaurants, but you haven't told anyone the menu. Right. And so now what I struggle with is after buying the fifth one, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need to write the playbook down. And so now what I've done is I've written the playbook down with the mindset that I could easily hire someone because I'm I'm self-managing my short-term rentals from 2,000 miles away. It doesn't matter whether I'm 2,000 miles away or 15,000 miles away. And so what I do is I hire virtual assistants now to help me uh, with the business uh, to take a lot of the load off. Because like I said, this is a business and it's actually a lot more work, but you can hire people at a very affordable price to help you run your business. So really like right away, day one, when you do acquire your first one is just start writing the process down. And there's going to be so much stuff that you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have wrote that down. Right. And like I have it to the point where it's so detailed that if my virtual assistant were to quit today, I should be able to hire someone right in and they should be able to function very well uh, day one. So that's what, that's my biggest advice to people like just starting to scale their business. As far as like starting out, networking is going to be your biggest ROI by far. Um, and the thing is going to these networking events, just talking to as many people as possible, you're going to find something that's going to stick to you. You're going to be like, I really relate to that. That's something I want to do versus just jumping on the first thing. We all have this FOMO going on right now. There's all of these headline clickbait things that 
just because someone's being successful in one area doesn't mean you should be following them too. But just try to meet as many investors as possible. And then you're going to get so many contacts and so much information that way. And that's yeah, free to do, right? Sense. Going to these networking events. They're, a lot of times they're free. You might have to buy a drink or two. But, um, you know, like I said, biggest ROI out there. Yeah. Very good point. Um, you mentioned your most of your properties are in Alabama. Like, why did you choose Alabama if you're living in Southern California? Doesn't <laughs> it make more sense to just kind of find something in your backyard? Crazy, right, Jasper? If you told me four years ago I'd be investing in a beach in Alabama, I didn't even know they had beaches, man. What are you talking about, right? Or uh, in eastern Tennessee, because I'm in the Smokies, like half my properties are in the Smokies. I didn't even know where the Smokies were, right? But it wasn't until I like kind of opened my mind up uh, and started looking. But I live here in Southern California and the prices were really high. And one thing that always scares me is regulations. Like right now, they're trying to pass a 15% tax on short-term rentals uh, on, on top of like all the other taxes that we pay. And so that stuff really scares me. Living here in Southern California, there's so many visitors, like we should be investing here. Like this should be the best place to invest in a short-term rental because there's so there's so many people going to Disneyland or, you know, all of these other places. But to me, I just get really scared of all those regulations. And to be honest with you, it might be a little lazy to where I don't want to jump through the hoops and figure them out. And so I just choose not to. And I invest in these uh, vacation destination markets and have been doing very well with it. It's been it's been pretty easy, actually. So compared to, I don't want to deal with the HOAs and and these different cities coming, uh, putting the hammer down on you. So, right. But how do you like if you were if you've never been to Alabama, you don't really know the market well. Like, how do yeah. you find like something profitable, but then also like, you know, you got you got to have some people on the ground as well. So how do how do you find the on the ground staff? Yeah, that's with me. It's really been networking. Like I went to, uh, I was just a networking machine for three years. I still am. Um, and, and that's kind of how I found Alabama. Like I started in the Smokies and I helped so many investors start their own short-term rental business. And then a lot of people were like, Hey, if you're ever going to look into another market, you should take a look at this market. Um, um, and if you ever need people, I have good people there. Um, and so I've bought a lot of single family home, long-term rentals, sight unseen. I think I bought like a dozen of them sight unseen, but I never did that for a short-term rental. At, at least at the very minimum, I went to the area. So that way I could understand the area, um, walk with the realtor. They kind of showed me the regions where I should invest in. And that's kind of how we targeted it. So mm -hmm. I, I went based, I, I use my realtor a ton and finding that relationship with the realtor that you trusted um, went a long way. So, And what's that, what are some of the biggest learning lessons like from, from the last three years for you? That it's a business. It's much more of a business than it is real estate. Like I've been a real estate investor, but here you're actually operating a hospitality business. And there are stuff that guests are going to say um, and, and do that are going to drive you up the wall. At a certain point, you just have to let it roll off the shoulders and then move on. There's another guest coming in two days. Like you can't dwell on what, you know, the complaints that they had or, or issues that they had. Uh, you just got to move on. Um, and if you 
you, if you hold on to those things too long, you're not going to scale. You're going to, if you really think about all the stuff that you had to deal with, you're going to be like, well, that's too much of a headache. Really focus in on the profitability and what you can do with it, the, the freedom that you can have with it, um, and focus in on that and you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So do you have any other learning lessons that you could share? Um, well, the one thing is I, I started scaling up to, uh, like I said, I, I think um, having the software to, like I use Asana, um, that's a free app where I write everything down. Um, I wish I would have done that a lot earlier uh, and I would have scaled a lot faster had I done that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that's a, that's a really important one too. Um, you know, documenting, documenting everything from the beginning, um, you know, like creating, creating those systems, creating those SOPs. And it doesn't have to take too much time really. Right. Mm-mm. Because like you could, the, there's all these tools right now. You mentioned Asana, like we use ClickUp as our as our task manager. But it, just like um, just like recording a Loom, and if you yes. if you've never heard about Loom, uh, you sh- you should get Loom as soon as possible. It's a it's basically a f- it's a free tool that you can use to record your screen. You can also record yourself, and you can as soon as you rec- done recording, like there's a link that you can immediately share with people. So, uh, and then you can, you can build a database of loom videos. Um, and you, it doesn't take much more time. If you're, let's say like you're, you're creating a new Airbnb listing, you just turn the loom on and you record the entire process. And now you can give that to your VA and say like, Hey, look, this is how I create the Airbnb listing. Right. Right. And they can take that and improve it. And, and, and so on, but it's it's so important to do that from the beginning because that's that's it's such a challenge to do that once you're at ten units and everything is in your head and now yes. you're driving yourself crazy because it's too much work and we have a lot of a lot of students that come for our Legends X program actually are in that spot when they come to us and and now like you're you're already overwhelmed so you don't have time and now you have to go back and document everything mm-hmm. and hire your virtual assistant or your executive assistant or whoever you want yes. to hire. And do those three things at the same time is very challenging. But if you do yes. that in the beginning, it's it's much it's much easier. And then even if you're not going to scale, it's still really nice if to have that, right? Yes, because it helps you as well. Because like sometimes you forget, like, hey, how do I how do I do that again? Yes, I, I forgot, you know. And they're like, oh well, let me let me watch this Loom from a year ago, and then uh, I don't, you know, you don't have to think about it. So it's regardless if you want to scale, I think it's always good to to have that documentation. Absolutely, yes. Tell us a little bit about your what's coming up for you uh, in, in the near future. I know you recently um, purchased a 76-unit hotel, which sounds pretty crazy you know yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, right. that's a huge that's a huge project so how did you uh what'd you get into that and like what's tell us about that about that deal well like i said before i started short-term rentals i was trying to get into multifamily apartments um and that just wasn't happening so i did want to scale my business eventually um and i fell in love with the hospitality uh, industry. And that's how I really wanted to scale. And looking at how many Airbnbs or short-term rentals I needed to purchase, um, I was like, this is daunting. Like you're going to purchase one at a time. Uh, And so what I did is I teamed up with uh, uh, a few other investors and uh, we purchased a hotel in Northwest Arkansas. And Jasper, if you told me to locate Northwest Arkansas a year ago, 
I would have not been able to do so, man. So, you know, it's all about networking with other investors. And uh, these other investors were telling me about the area, went and visited, absolutely loved it. And the one thing about hotels is it's extremely difficult to get into, right? There's there's only so many hotels for sale. Uh, the ones that are for sale, like that are publicly listed, don't make sense. They don't pencil out. So it's really difficult. So the thing is, there's uh, less chance of you like getting into a saturated market, like we we hear about saturation with short term rentals, uh, that's really difficult to get into hotels. Like your uh, competition is really not there, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so the seventy six unit hotel, what's exciting is just where we talk about the profitability. We purchased it for three point six million dollars, and it appraised for six point five million dollars day one. Uh, it was a two thousand eight build that didn't need much work. Uh, the one thing we're gonna do is. After about a year, we're going to uh, take off the flag because it's a Wyndham right now and create a boutique experience, a more unique experience. Um, and like you said, uh, people will pay for that. People will pay a little bit more. And we're in a, a region where, you know, there's not a lot of that going on right now. So we can definitely be like one of the first ones. Wow, that's awesome. When when is it uh, opening up? Are you guys doing some renovations on it? No, so uh, it's been op- it was like a cash flowing uh, business before, uh, and so we just continued it um, during the negotiation process. They said, "Hey, you gotta stick to the uh, the brand for I believe fifteen months." Uh, mm-hmm. So we did that, you know. So I think we closed in April. We've been operating ever since, uh, and it's booked. It's like constantly booked, which is exciting. So that's awesome. That's awesome, man. And what yeah. kind of experience are you going to create? Because I'm thinking of like 76 unit hotel. That's a, mm. you know, that's a very, that's a different type of project than when, yes. you know, like we do, like we have like, you know, our four cabins here and uh, building another five or so. Um, but that's a very, you know, it's such a large project. Like what kind of experience do you think you can, you can bring? To the well, project? it was built in. Yeah, it was built in 2008 and it looks like it, like all of the decorations look very much like it, like teak floors, um, you know, it looks very like just generic. And so we could easily renovate the hotel rooms itself. You're talking each room is like 300 square feet. So that's the simple part. But the thing is, the reason why we like this um, hotel is there's like 1.5 acres of land, just grass on the side. And so we can actually build more units if we wanted to. And so in Northwest Arkansas, it's the mountain biking capital of the world, or at least they branded themselves that way. But there's a lot of mountain bikers. So we can create something unique on the side there. Um, We've talked about putting pickleball, like pickleball is something like very new and hip. So we have that much land. We have so much land there. We can do something special with it. Yeah, pickleball pickleball is really taking off. It's interesting because outside of the States, what I'm noticing is um, there's this other there's other thing called pedal. Have you have you heard about pedal? No, no. <laughs> so it's, it's just funny. It's like pedal is it's similar to pickleball, where it's basically I think it was that both these things were invented because people want to play tennis, but it's really hard. Yeah. So they're like, let's 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 think of a game of tennis that's easier. Right. And then pickleball and pedal came up. Um, right. But so I think that's a great I think that's a great move. Like the pedal courts are popping up like mushrooms in Europe, yes. in, in Central America, like in Panama, where I was just was for two years, like they're, they're everywhere now. So right. uh, that's definitely like, uh, could be, could be the next, uh, like hottest Airbnb amenity to have a pickleball court. Right. And we actually have a Starbucks on our lot. 
So we have so much traffic that comes through. And I think when people see like pickleball is new, right? And so when people see that, they think of like, oh, that's a new thing that they got going on. That's like the trendy thing. So that's, we have a lot of ideas in our mind. We have tons of parking. We could put like, uh, we could invite food trucks uh, to come by. Um, so that's something we've been working out with some of the locals there. So. Awesome. Sweet, man. Um, well, that's, uh, you got some exciting stuff going on. That's uh, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Any any uh, any last thoughts before we uh, wrap up podcast? No, see, I'm a healthcare worker, and healthcare workers were burnt out before COVID, and they were even burnt out more so after. Um, and I could tell everyone that it doesn't have to be that way. Um, you could create financial independence on the side, um, and then. When you look at me, I'm still working a W-2 job full time, but I do it because I enjoy doing it. A lot of us got into healthcare because we really had the love or passion because we wanted to help people. But a lot of times like politics got in the way or short staffing or whatever the issues were, but it doesn't have to be that way. And you look at life a whole different when when you're working there, not for the money. Mm. So. That's great. So you're you're planning to continue uh, to to do your job for quite a while? Uh, a little bit longer, you know, having the hotel and all these short-term rentals, um, you know, I, I, you're really busy. And then wh where is the passion after that? So my passion is helping other healthcare workers uh, expand their business and start investing in real estate. So that right. might be something where I, I look into getting into. So Yeah, that's awesome, man. Sweet, dude. Well, uh, congrats on your success. Like amazing, amazing to hear what you've been, uh, what you've accomplished in uh, very little time. Well, not uh, not as little time as the zero to one hundred in one year gurus, like you said, right. but uh, but still like pretty impressive uh, what you've done. So, uh, congrats! Thank you for sharing uh, your experience on the podcast today. And uh, well, since you live not far away from me, so I'm sure we'll we'll be able to hang out at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah, Jasper. Thanks for having me on. Really excited. Thanks absolutely and to the listeners thank you for listening we'll be back uh, on friday with another episode so see you then get paid for your pet get paid for your pet get paid for your pet get paid for your pet